Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. I'm just going to tell you now, today's tale, if you're feeling cold, wherever you are, it's just going to make you feel colder. So get yourself a blanket or something because actually maybe it'll make you feel a little bit comforted. I'm not really sure actually how this is going to make you feel, but it's a really, really interesting one. As I was researching, as I was typing up the notes, I was just like, wow, 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 wow. I can hardly believe what I'm writing down. So I'm excited to share it with you guys. I'm actually recording this a week in advance before I typically do because as I'm posting this, I'm actually just going to be returning from my little vacation that I'm going on and I just know I'm going to be stressed, stressing a Simpson over here. So I decided to record a week early. I'm feeling chill, but I won't be feeling chill when this is airing. So um, I thought I would just like give myself a little gift of sorts of preparation. <laughs> you know, when you do yourself a favor and you're like, wow, I'm not going to appreciate this for a bit. Like I'm really scrambling right now to get everything done. But next week, I'm going to be so happy with myself. It's like past Katie has given future Katie a gift and she doesn't even know it yet. <laughs> but anyway, this episode is going to be a good one. Good story. So sit back and relax and grab yourself a blanket and a mug of tea or something and strap in. This is going to be an interesting tale. I'm just going to dive in. No more small talk. Let's just do it. So today's tale takes us to a town called Langby. It's spelled Langby, L-E-N, but it's pronounced Langby in Minnesota. So anyone who's living in Minnesota, shout out to you. I don't know if you guys know where this town is, but you might not because it's a very, very small one. And here are a few things that I found out about Langby, Minnesota from some Google searches. As of 2020, the population of Langby, Minnesota was 92 people. So as you can imagine, it's a very small, close-knit, everybody-knows-everybody sort of town. And just outside the town limits are forests, lakes, farmland in the north central part of the state. So just to give you an idea of this town, there are just three lines of Langby town history listed on Wikipedia. So three lines in total. There's one that notes that they have this post office that opened in 1898. Another one about a railroad station. And the third and final line on the Wikipedia, like about this town, is about the events of today's story. And when I Google searched Langby, Minnesota, just in general, it was on the first page of search results. So it's definitely one of those town-defining stories that people still definitely talk about to this day. And this person that it's about is definitely a household name. Like, people definitely still talk about it. So let me tell it to you. And to do that, we're going to go back in time to the 1980s. And according to the census, I really did reference the census for this, guys. In the census from the 80s for this town, Langby, Minnesota, the town population was 124 people. So slightly more back then than today's count. Maybe some people moved or something, but we're in the 80s. And 19-year-old Jean Hilliard was living in Langby, Minnesota in December of 1980. And being a teenager in the 80s, I actually, I'm not going to lie to you, I googled what was it like being a teenager in the 1980s? Because as you guys know, I was not 
alive then. I was negative 15 at that point (laughs) at the beginning of the 80s. So, you know, I had to kind of Google just to like make sure that I had my facts straight. And this was obviously a time before TikTok, before Instagram, before all that. And if you wanted, for example, a photo of you and your friends, you had to wait a week for it to be developed. If you wanted to reach someone, you'd have to use a landline. And if you wanted to listen to music, you'd probably use a boombox as a teenager, you know, to paint just kind of a picture of what teenagers did in the 80s. Like it was such a different time than when I grew up as a teenager in the 2010s, which sounds really weird. The 2010s. Is that how we say it now? Like, because it's like, is that early 2000s? I guess. I don't know. Anyway, back to our story. So Jean Hilliard is 19. It's 1980, on the nose, and this particular evening in December, Jean was making her way home from a night out with her friends in town. And this area of Minnesota, as you might have gathered by now, was very much middle-of-nowhere sort of feel, especially Langby. So it was negative 22 degrees, and it was around midnight, and Jean is trudging through snow alone, which is not an ideal circumstance to find yourself in. But this was not her intention at all when she began her night out. And honestly, I've not found myself in this situation of being, you know, trudging through snow in the middle of the night home from like a bar. It hasn't happened to me yet and hopefully never will. But I've certainly found myself in situations where I'm like, I did not see myself getting into this at the beginning of my night. Like I find myself somewhere and I'm like, how did this happen to me? So I'm assuming Jean is probably thinking this as she's trudging through the snow. Like, how did I end up here? And I'm going to tell you how she ended up there. So Jean, prior to this, had been at the Faustin American Legion and Faustin being a town near Langby. And this is where teenagers in Langby typically went to go spend their evenings as it was the coolest hangout in this part of Minnesota. And it was just like a 10-ish minute drive, like just about nine or 10 minutes from Langby. I made sure I Googled it. Um, Faustin, Minnesota was apparently just the place to be. So the kids went from Langby to Faustin to party and from all over. So Jean was leaving this party at the American Legion. Around midnight, she's walking to her dad's car, which was a Ford LTD that she had driven out there. But let's talk about this car. There's a few things that made it not so ideal for winter travel, for icy road travel in December. It had rear wheel drive and no anti-lock brakes, which made it an extremely dangerous car to be using while navigating treacherous, frozen, icy roads. But it was just a 10-minute drive. So Jean probably looked at it. She's like, I live in Minnesota. I've been through this. Like, I can do it. It's just 10 minutes. Like, it's not that bad. You know, it won't be that bad. I'll get home and I'm. it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like, that's probably what she's telling herself because that's what I would tell myself too because I always think everything's going to be fine. But as these things typically unfold, it was not fine. It was a bad idea. And when Jean found herself in a ditch, like her car was in a ditch around midnight without a cell phone in the middle of nowhere, she naturally, you know, got out (laughs) in her cowboy boots and just was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to walk. Not all the way back to Langby because apparently that's like a three hour walk based on Google. But she thought, oh, wait, I actually have this friend that lives two miles down the road. So she gets out of her car. She's wearing cowboy boots, which 
I mean, depends on the boot, but some of them have great traction. The ones that I have have horrible traction. I don't think I have real ones. I definitely don't. But she began to trudge in her cowboy boots through the snow to try to get help at her friend Wally Nelson's house, which was just two miles down the road. And honestly, she didn't really have any other choice in the matter. Like that was really all that she could do because she didn't have a cell phone. This is 1980. So she finds herself walking through the snow. But Wally's house ended up feeling a lot further away that night than Jean could remember it being. And she got so frustrated, which I would be too. Like I'm walking around in circles. I don't have my Google Maps to show me the way. I don't have a flashlight on my, like phones really have benefited us so much in ways that we really don't understand. Like she was out there defenseless, really, like didn't have anything to guide her either. And she's just like wandering around. She'd go over one hill and she'd think that maybe his house, like the lights of his house would shine on the other end of it, but it wouldn't be there. And so she's walking around in circles and after walking for what felt like forever, she finally sees the lights of Wally's house. But before she could get there, everything went black. Next morning at dawn around 7 a.m., Wally, so the guy that she was attempting to go get help from, wakes up, rolls over, looks over. He had brought a girl home the night before. So he's like, okay, cool, score. And I love that that detail was included in like all the news sources I found on this. Like (laughs) he brought a girl home. Cool. It's made the newspapers. Anyway, so Wally wakes up. He probably at this point was walking this girl out to her car that was parked out front, you know, bidding his bedmate adieu when he comes upon something solid 15 or so feet from his front door that he refers to as a little hunk laying in the snow. And of course, you know where I'm going with this. It was Jean Hilliard, frozen solid and stiff in her coat and mittens. 15 feet from his door like she had made it so close but yet so far and she's frozen solid on his front lawn wally of course knew gene because at the time she was actually dating his best friend paul which is really interesting because the night before they'd actually all been out together drinking and dancing at the faustin legion hall which makes you wonder why gene was leaving alone Like, where was her boyfriend in all of this? Did they get into a fight? Like, I don't know. Maybe she was 19. I guess she was expected home. Maybe he didn't live in Langby. I really don't know. But like, this is the only time that Paul is mentioned in this story. It's just interesting. So makes you wonder. I'm always wondering. But anyway, so they were all out the night before. But here Jean was frozen stiff, her eyes wide open, which is probably the scariest sight. Like she's like not moving, frozen, her hair probably sticking up everywhere and like icicles, eyes wide open, laying seemingly lifeless on his front lawn. Like that was probably the ultimate vibe killer for the one night stand or I don't know if it was but you know but like also just terrifying so Wally is staring at her thinking oh my god we were literally just out together and now I'm like I'm up you know so he grabs her by the collar he skids her up onto the porch this frozen hunk of a girl and he thinks to himself he's like there's a dead girl on my porch my friend's girlfriend is dead on my porch. That's definitely what he's thinking. And there's this girl here that he hardly knows and whatever. So just think of this scene. Anyway, he thinks that she's dead. She was frozen stiffer than a board, but 
he noticed a few bubbles coming out of her nose, indicating that she might still be alive. And according to the stories, after Jean had collapsed, she'd actually ended up somehow crawling a few feet in the snow before freezing to stillness. So the next thing that Wally does, he's definitely feeling a lot of things right now, is he tries, with the help of this girl that he had brought home, they're both trying to fit Jean's frozen body into the cab of Wally's pickup truck, but they weren't able to, so they actually ended up having to take the random girl that he brought home's car to the ER instead. So this is a story like I I wonder if this is like how he met his wife, you know, <laughs> like having to deal with this crazy, crazy, scary, terrifying thing at 7 a.m. in last night's clothes, last night's makeup, you know, like it's I'm just picturing myself in this scenario and it's just crazy. So they're driving this girl's car to the ER. They end up going to Faustin, which is where we were earlier in the story, and it takes about 10 minutes to get there. So they're rushing to the hospital. And once they get there, the doctors are like, what the heck? do we have here? Like, it's definitely not the first frozen incident they've heard of, but they were probably thinking to themselves, like, this girl's been frozen for six hours overnight. Like, there's no way. Like, she doesn't have a pulse. There's no way that this girl's alive. Like, she'd been frozen overnight, six hours in negative 22 degree temperatures. Like, that is just, do you come back from that? So the attending medical staff didn't think that there was much that they could do for Jean in her current state. Like her skin was actually so frozen that they couldn't pierce it with hypodermic needles. The needles literally broke when they tried to use them on her skin because she was so frozen. And not to mention, her body temperature was so low that it didn't register on a thermometer. Her face was this ashen gray color. Her eyes didn't respond to changes in light. Like it just did not seem like there was any life left in this girl. But Nonetheless, they tried. They were not just going to, you know, give up without trying because they're great people. We love these people in Faustin, Minnesota, but they wanted to try their hardest to revive her anyway, even though they figured that she was probably dead. So medical staff decided to gradually warm up Jean's body with heating pads and see what would happen after that. So they actually determined that her internal temperature was 88 degrees, which is a full 10 degrees below what is normal. And eventually they ended up, Eureka, getting a pulse, a faint, faint pulse of 12 beats per minute, just 12. But still, that's something. Like they must have freaked out when that happened. Like she went from nada to 12 beats per minute. Like that's crazy. They probably thought, oh my God, this could be a miracle. So Dr. George Sather, who was the attending physician that worked on Jean, said, quote, I thought she was dead, but then we picked up an extremely faint whimper. We knew that there was a person existing then. The reaction didn't appear until two or three hours after she started thawing out. So two or three hours, they're desperately trying to heat this girl up. And he said that the body was cold, completely solid, just like a piece of meat out of a deep freeze. By the middle of that morning, Jean was finally de-thawing and she ended up crazy, guys. She ended up waking up. She woke up from her deep slumber with spasms. And at noon that day, mind you, so she's brought in around like 7.30. By noon, she was speaking. She was talking coherently. She was actually telling nurses that she was worried about what her dad was going to say about her wrecking his car 
of course, because that is what a teenager would worry about in this given moment. Like she nearly died. She actually might have died and come back to life. Like, I don't know what is technically considered death, but I would say not having a pulse is death. And she's worried about what her dad's going to think about the car. Like, isn't that so just classic teenager? Like you don't ever think things are as serious as they are. But anyway, so when she was asked about what it was like, like when she was frozen and technically dead, Jean said, it's like I fell asleep and woke up in the hospital. Like all she remembers is walking, her vision going black, sleeping, technically, I guess you don't really remember sleeping, but like waking up, like she just remembers waking up. She doesn't remember anything else. Like she said that she didn't see the light or anything like that. And she said it was kind of disappointing. She said so many people talk about that, like seeing the light and I didn't get anything. And that must've been frustrating. But again, 19 year old, like you know, she was literally dead and came back. She was literally a frozen meat block pretty much in negative 22 degree temperatures for like six hours and lived to tell the tale. Even though she doesn't think it's that cool and she's worried about what her dad's going to say, everyone in the town and in the media and the entire state of Minnesota thought that Jean Hilliard was a miracle. People would not stop calling her about it and talking about her like she was the talk of the town. And her story was then told to local churches, like as a God moment, uh, the national media. And she was even on the Today Show where she took her mom with her to tell her story. And yeah, she survived. My question is how? How did this miracle happen? Like you guys know, I need to keep reading to figure out why. Like, if there is one, why? How, why? Like, she was dead and frozen for six hours, negative 22 degrees in her cowboy boots. How did she survive? So Dr. David Plummer of the University of Minnesota is an expert on reviving people with hypothermia, which is, as we know, a condition where the body shuts down because it gets too cold. And I read about him in this article that I referenced for this story, which is allthatsinteresting.com. And what he has to say about this whole scenario is very interesting. So at the time of being interviewed, Dr. Plummer said that he's handled about a dozen cases of reviving someone who has been frozen over 10 years of his career. So like 12 nearly dead people or maybe even dead people that he's revived because they were frozen. Like this guy's a wizard. So he's obviously an expert. So in Dr. Plummer's words, he says, we have patients that you can knock on like wood. They feel rock solid frozen. That in no way dissuades us, aka like we're not going to not do it, from the resuscitation attempt, he said. And we do have a track record of success with that. No one is dead until they're warm and dead, which I actually think is like a well-used phrase in hospitals. I mean, medical professionals, let me know. Like, I don't think this guy came up with this. I actually do recall an episode of Grey's Anatomy or some show like that where they say, like Meredith Grey proclaims in her dramatic Meredith Grey way of saying things, no one is dead until they're warm and dead. Like, I can't talk like Meredith, but you know. So let's talk more about this. So medical science says that as a person's body cools, blood flow slows down to a crawl, just as it would for a bear in hibernation. And at this point, When the body is cooling, the blood flow is slowing down, a person's body requires less oxygen. And when a person's blood flow increases at the same rate as their body temperature is increasing, they often recover. So that's what may have happened with the heating pads when they use those on Gene Hilliard. Like what I just said, the person's blood flow is increasing at the same rate as their body temperature, like they might recover. And Dr. Plummer said that this whole saving technique was nothing short of a miracle. So Jean essentially was 
in hibernation, or at least her body thought she was, you know, or I guess she was technically. These days, modern medicine uses a special device that actually warms up a frozen patient's blood before sending it back into their body. And the warm blood in turn heats up the internal organs. And that's all I'm going to say about the internal organs. I'm sorry if you're squeamish, but pretty much long story short, this is a way that frozen people can be saved. And there's actually this other story that relates like spot on to this. This exact technique actually saved this man named Justin Smith. His life was saved due to this technique in February of 2015. So he, like Gene, was out walking home in sub-zero weather in Pennsylvania when he collapsed, just like Gene. Justin was 25, so a bit older, but headed home from a party, just like Gene. How crazy. But it wasn't a friend but Justin's own dad who actually found his frozen body 12 hours later. So double the time that Gene was frozen. And then, of course, he was rushed to the ER. And in the emergency room, doctors determined that Justin's internal temperature was 68 degrees. And remember, like a normal human internal temperature is 98.6. So that is definitely alarmingly low. So doctors immediately started CPR and did so for two hours until they could get him to a more advanced medical facility. And then they did their special technique of the blood and everything that I'm not going to go into detail on. And he was brought back to life from the brink of death. He spent two weeks in a coma but his brain showed no signs of damage due to the lack of oxygen that happened when he was in hibernation mode. Like, it's just the craziest, wildest phenomenon. Just like Gene, Justin's biological processes slowed his body down to where it conserved oxygen enough to keep him alive for several hours. Like he too was in hibernation, 12 hours like frozen, and he came back to life. Isn't that just bonkers? Medicine, modern medicine, just crazy, or not even, like just science, science rules. Anyway, in Jean's case, the doctors actually at one point considered amputating both of her legs to avoid infection from the frostbite that she experienced. But get this, like she didn't actually end up needing that at all. Like Jean ended up going home from the ER with little more than a few blistered toes that were numb for a bit. And that's literally all the damage that she experienced other than maybe like emotional trauma of going through that and then like the media frenzy that followed but like physically that was all that was actually quote wrong with her after the ordeal which is just crazy to me like the body is such an interesting thing and like now i understand why you know people study this stuff because like there's just so many mysteries to uncover in the human body like, it's crazy. This was in the 80s that this happened to her and they still figured it out. Like, wow. Anyway, so the end of the articles that I referenced about Jean, like what happened to her. So Jean Hilliard now leads a normal life, a pedestrian life, they call it. She suffers no ill effects from her ordeal, but she said that this is an interesting thing. So she said that she kept waiting for something dramatic to happen after this experience. And she said this because everyone, of course, like think about it, like you emerge from this sort of nightmare, like coming out alive. People are just like, you're the talk of the town. People are probably like, oh my God, this girl is like, you know, she came back to life. This is just insane. Like she is a walking, living, breathing miracle. And people around her told her that she was kept alive or like, you know, revived all because of this miracle. And 
that these things, you know, they happen for a reason. Like, what was the reason? She was probably wondering, like, what was the reason? Why was I spared? Why was I brought back? What am I meant to do with this life? Like, it must have really kept her up at night, like thinking about like, why was I spared? Why am I still here? Like, that's enough to honestly, I would definitely need extra therapy. And I'm not like joking. I think that that would really cause me to spiral of like, why was I saved? Why am I, you know, why did other people perish in like much different circumstances? But like I survived this crazy thing that I should not have survived. But her life has been normal. She got married. She had kids. Then she later got divorced. And based on the stories I read, she now lives in Cambridge, Minnesota, and she works at Walmart. And all the articles said playfully, she also never drives on icy roads at night, which I feel like I would do the same or not do the same. Like I would not repeat past mistakes and drive on icy roads. Like, I mean, I rarely drive in general, but at that, I'm always so cautious on icy roads. Like I'm cautious on any road. Like ever since I learned about black ice, I'm just, I'm never going to drive a car without white knuckles ever again in the winter or just in the cold anywhere that I am. Um, but yeah, so Anyway, very interesting, the whole story, but also, you know, just the fact that this experience like in the 80s, even all these years later, like Jean's probably still thinking like, why me? Why did I get this miracle? I'm still hung up on that. But, you know, even though she's moved away, her name is still marked on this town. Like, like I said in the beginning, it's still the third line on the town Wikipedia page. Like this is the talk of the town probably still to this day. Anyway, very chilling tale, literally, but it had a happy ending. So you're welcome. <laughs> I feel like I've been, it's been pretty bleak the past few weeks in the podcast. I'm trying to um, come up with very interesting stories to share that also have maybe a good, happier ending because I don't know, actually for my book club, I'm in this book club and we read a book recently, which I really liked most of it. I didn't love it. You know, like I, I wanted to like it because a lot of people really, really like it. It's called Lessons in Chemistry. And I actually, the author's name is escaping me at this very moment. I It's like way across the room. I cannot read it. But Lessons in Chemistry, it's a very like big book at the moment. A lot of people are talking about it. And I'm not going to spoil it, but I was not thrilled. Like the ending, yeah, I think it was meant to be a happy ending, but it just didn't satisfy me. And I could be the only person on earth that thinks this. So disregard if you loved the book. Like I don't want to yuck your yum. But I'm realizing how much a happy ending like really does or a satisfying ending. It doesn't need to be happy, but like a satisfying like, wow, close the book. I'm okay with that. Like that leaves a mark on you. And I feel like with my podcast, maybe you haven't been feeling that recently because I feel like I leave it on like, so that's life. That's how it went back in the 1940s or whatever. I don't even know. So anyway, interesting story. You guys can whip this out as like a little party trick or party story that you share when there's a lull in conversation and or you're like on a date and we've all been there where you just have run out of things to say. It's like maybe not a good date. And you're like, well, I don't know what to say. Well, now you have something to say. You can say, have you heard of this town called Langby, Minnesota? I'm going to tell you about this girl who was dead and then alive and frozen wearing cowboy boots trudging through snow at midnight in December in negative 22 degrees. Like that's the spark notes. Everyone thought she was dead, but she came back to life. And I'm going to tell you how it happened. And like that would like lift the evening of a not so great date. I'm just going to tell you that. So anyway, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you guys thought it was interesting. I'll be back next week, hopefully not sunburnt from my trip. And I'm excited to 
to see, because at this point, I have no idea what I'm talking about next week as you guys are listening to this. I have like a backlog of ideas, but I really, it's just a surprise. It's like a surprise inside every pack of episodes um, because I truly just don't know where I'm going to go next week, what decade I'm going to be in, what century even, what part of the country or the world. It's just a mystery. So thank you guys for listening and supporting the podcast. I really appreciate you guys. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.